you know, how do you know that Jesus was raised? Some clever apologist would probably come up with all these different scientific evidences or whatever, but that's not really the point. The point is, I believe he was raised because I've met him, because I know him, because he's revealed himself to me. And above all things today, my hope for every single one of us is that we might have a faith of knowing him a faith of which He is real to us. We don't worship a dead God today. We don't follow dead rituals and believe in dead words, but a God who is risen, who is alive, who is well, who is victorious. He is risen. He is risen. Great. I was sort of risen a little bit this morning. I've actually spent the last few days uh, on the couch or in bed ill and uh, I'm still ill so don't come near me afterwards, stay away uh, unless you really believe in the covering of the Spirit over your life to keep you well but um, you know it's a resurrection of sorts that I'm here this morning. I, I woke up this morning I turned over and said to Katie do you want to preach? Uh, which she said just get out of bed you'll be alright. Um, so I'm very grateful for my wife Katie. It's great to have you here. We're the pastors here and oh, I just love Easter. I love Easter. We've been having such a good weekend on Easter Friday, Good Friday. We had uh, amazing service up in Auckland in the morning. Then we had such a powerful time here in the evening. 10 people got baptized. Some of them are here this morning. Let's celebrate with them. So cool. Many people giving their lives to Jesus. We just had 9am gathering. It was Packed, the worship was vibrant, the spirit was here, and people were giving their lives to Jesus too. Just believe in that. Uh, we're going to have a powerful time coming around his resurrection again this morning. I want to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a no frills message. The structure is the chapter. This is my opening, and we shall turn to the verses and just make our way through it. So hopefully, you can handle that this morning. Does that sound all right? For those that brought a paper Bible, this is your morning to be able to just really follow through. Everyone else will be on the screen. You can get your phone out as long as it's on aeroplane mode. Uh, please, and on silent mode. Uh, the amount of phone calls that people get during church. I love the audacity of the people who answer them. Yeah, yeah, just a sec. No, 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 I'm not in the middle of anything. Just make their way to the back. Don't be that person. First Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, Paul says. And it is this, this is the essence of the good news of Jesus. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said, He was buried and He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have died. Right now, all of them have died, just in case you're wondering. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, 
as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw Him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, Paul says, it is because God poured out His special favour on me. And not without results, for I've worked harder than any other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by His grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. The good news of Jesus is this. He came, He died, and He was raised, and He's been seen. The good news is not the explanation of it. The good news is not all the mystery of the profound things it could mean. The good news is the story itself. He was died, He came, He died, He's been raised and He's been seen. And I wanna, just as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, He devotes more verses in His summary of the good news of Jesus to any other part of the story, He devotes them to the resurrection. Man, on Friday, we're celebrating the cross of Jesus and the profound beauty and suffering and humble sacrifice, humbling sacrifice of Jesus in that. But it seems to be that the center of the story is not the cross, but the resurrection. Because the reality is, is anyone can come and live and anyone can come and die. Many people have died on a cross. But it's the resurrection that proves every word that He said was true. It's the resurrection that proves His death was not just another death. It's the resurrection that is God's stamp of authority to say, this is my Son in whom I'm pleased. Listen to Him. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, no one can come to the Father except through me. He wasn't trying to be all exclusive and weird. He was just trying to say, I'm the one that came for you. That's right. I'm the one that came for you. And you can know that it is all true because He has been raised. He has been raised. This is the essence of the message. And I love that Paul wasn't just reminding us of the essence of the message, which is the resurrection of Christ. He sees his own story in that story. He's like, man, and this story has got a hold of my life. And it's like, oh, I was the least, I'm not even worthy, but He's appeared to me. And now I'm a servant of Him and I work hard, but it's not even really me, it's God in me. He gets all the glory. And man, in this world, we get labelled, we're in the middle of culture wars, where we run to scripts of our identity, of our People telling us how to divide ourselves, how to see ourselves. If you look at one area of the conversation, we want to be divined by our mistakes. Other places want to cancel you if you say the wrong thing at the wrong time and that's going to be the, the story of your life. Other places want you to look at your skin colour and go, hey, you're not like them and divide it along racial lines. Other places, we want to define ourselves by our sexuality. But Paul sees himself through the lens of the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to, yeah, that's right, we can celebrate that. And I want to say, church, we can't buy in to the rhetoric of our day 
that says I'm this or I'm that or this is really who I am and I'm not like you because I am a Jesus person. I've been raised with Christ. It's no longer I who live. You wanna know who I am, what I'm about? It's not my skin color. It's not my story. It's not the labels you wanna put on me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we need this. We need the resurrection to shape our story. But the chapter goes on, it says, but, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there'll be no resurrection of the dead? Let's just pause here for a moment. I haven't really heard people saying there'll be no resurrection of the dead. The Corinthians were saying that. They believed in Jesus' resurrection, but they were wondering whether or not this life was all there was. And, and, and that I don't think I hear people saying that, but gosh, I see a lot of people living like that. We as Christians might not be saying there's no resurrection of the dead, but sometimes the way we talk about faith, the choices we make in our life, the way we weigh up wisdom, it's as if we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead one day. And so he goes on, he says, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. You're still guilty of your sins, even with the cross. The, the resurrection completes the work. Without it, it is not finished. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. Listen to this. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're to be more pitied than anyone else in the world. Man, the kingdom is here and not yet. The eternal life is to come and it breaks into the now. But we live in a culture obsessed with now. In, in more ancient indigenous cultures, they're obsessed with the past. They tell stories of the past, they rehearse stories of the past, they're shaped by stories of the past, and they're sort of very grounded in where they've come from. Not so much good at like shaping a different future because they're so past looking, but that's, that's the strength of indigenous culture. The last sort of 500 years of Western sort of modern culture, we're obsessed with the future. What, what could be done? How could the world be shaped? How could it be different? That's why like, there's been more progress in the last few hundred years than in the thousands of years before that or however long the world has been around for. There's like more progress. There's more development. There's more sophistication. There's more you know, advancement because we've been obsessed with the future. But we find ourselves largely as a culture here and now, no longer indigenous, obsessed with the past, no longer modern, obsessed with the future. We've lost our way and we're obsessed with the now. With the, I don't know where we came from. I don't know where we're going. Let's just eat, drink and be merry. Ironically, we're so obsessed with now, yet we don't know how to be present in the now at all. The great irony of our time. And is it possible that even when we come to faith, we still see it through the lens of now? What's gonna make me happy now? How do I feel good now? I'm not feeling alive in Christ now. And we just get obsessed with the now. God, you need to bless me now. You need to heal me now. You need to do it now. 
But the resurrection is a reminder that the story isn't about just here and now. Yeah, like, hear me right today. I believe that God wants to move in our lives here and now, but in the context of the huge horizon of what is to come. That Christ was raised from the dead and my hope is not in this world, but it is in the life to come that Christ has proven through the resurrection. Because if we have a faith that's just for now, we're, we get really disappointed. We get broken, we get hurt, we get angry at God and these things are normal things, but if the now becomes bigger than the then, we won't make it. We'll lose our way. We'll give up hope. We'll stop going through. He's not real because He didn't come into my now, but He's promised me a then. He's promised me a hope beyond this. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, you know, that human blood running through our veins, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest and all who belong to Christ will be raised when He comes back. Man, we can look to the resurrection today and know that in the same way, Being born human means being born into suffering. It means being born into struggle. It means being born into fragility. It means being born into the frailty of humanity. It means being prone to sickness. It means that eventually our bodies will give up and decay in the same way that it's guaranteed when you're born into humanity, those things, man, it's guaranteed when you're born into Christ that you'll be raised. You're born into Christ, how? By faith. When you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Christ raised Him from the dead. And so we look to the resurrection as a promise. Verse 24, after that, the end will come and He will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power for Christ must reign until He humbles all His enemies beneath His feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. He's put death on notice by His own resurrection and He will complete the destruction through ours. For the Scriptures say God has put all things under His authority. Of course, when it says all things are under the authority, that does not include God Himself who gave Christ His authority. Then when all things are under His authority, the Son will put Himself under God's authority so that the God who gave the Son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Man, when I look to the resurrection, I'm reminded that this is like Jesus coming up to His throne. This is Jesus getting ready to sit as the ruler of His kingdom. And He has defeated every enemy, but we sit between the D-Day and the V-Day. We sit between sort of the beginning of the end and the end. He is victorious. He has won every battle. He has defeated the last enemy, death, but His victory is yet to be revealed through our resurrection. But man, when we look to the resurrection, it's like, here comes Jesus. I don't know when He's coming, but here comes Jesus. 
Here comes Jesus. The trumpets will sound. Here comes Jesus. Verse 29, if the dead were, this is like gotta be one of the most weird verses in the New Testament. If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptised for those who were dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? There's obviously some sort of practice in the Corinthian church of like, oh, Jim passed away, didn't get an opportunity to receive Christ. I'll be a surrogate for Jim, baptise me. Uh, church, church didn't continue with it for probably obvious reasons, but um, verse 30. And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting the wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? If there's no resurrection, let's feast, let's drink, for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully, church, about what is right and stop sinning, for to your shame I say that some of you don't know God at all. Look, the resurrection is a reminder to us that our sufferings have purpose, that our struggles have a point. It isn't just the here and now, there's an eternal picture going on. And when we're reminded of the internal picture, it causes us to think about life very differently. When you're living for what's to come, not just for what you could get now, it changes everything. When you're serving the Lord and you're going through hardship and you think, oh, I can't keep this up, Lord, I've been honouring you with my finances. I've been serving you with my time. I've been praying for my friends. I could have been camping on Easter weekend. I haven't went to church when everyone else was having a holiday. I've been doing all of this. I don't know after 10 years, Lord, if I can keep doing it. I don't know if after 20 years, Lord, I can keep doing it. It doesn't seem to be working. All I know is more sickness and more struggle. I don't know if I can keep it up, Lord. Well, if you're just living for the here and now, you will give up. But if you're reminded of the resurrection of Christ and therefore the resurrection that's to come, you're like, I'm just gonna stay faithful, Lord. I know that somehow you're gonna turn it for good. I know that somehow you're gonna make it right one day. I know that somehow there's an eternal reward for me. And so I'm gonna keep on, you know, picking up my cross, denying myself and following you, Lord. I'm gonna not try to grab a hold of all of this life because I know it's fading away. I'm gonna let go of it because I wanna grab a hold of something eternal that lasts forever. Many people live in foolish lives, making foolish decisions because we're too obsessed with the here and now. Many Christians not making decisions about their families, about their finances, about their purpose in life, about what they do in the weekends, just let me go at it. Many people, because they forgot the perspective of what they're living for. They're living for the here and now. And they're teaching their ch kids to live for the here and now. And then they get to retirement and they buy the camper van and they disappear and go live their selfish life. And hear my heart, go enjoy your retired life, but keep serving the Lord. You're in the season of life where you have more to offer to the Kingdom of God than ever. Don't let you be found missing because you're living for the here. Keep living for what is to come. Thanks, Tash. But some may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? 
What a foolish question. I actually thought it was quite a good question, but anyway, I'm quite interested in the answer. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it a new body He wants it to have. A different plant grows from a different kind of seed. Similarly, there is a different kinds of flesh for one kind of human, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. Sounds like there might be fishing in heaven, people. Where you always catch a big one. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. Glories of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory while the moon and stars have another kind. And even the stars differ in each other of their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they'll be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, ain't that the truth? But they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The Scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. As much as we want it to break into the now, as much as God is kind that we enter the eternal life now in so many ways, we must know that this can never inherit everything God wants to give. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. Here's the thing, sometimes I think we get more excited by resuscitation than we do by resurrection. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That'll get the, the prayers like, people are gonna be raised from the dead. I got news, Lazarus died again. He got sick from something else. Oh, it's good news, Resurrection Sunday. Every person that's ever been healed by Jesus died from something else. They did. Let's just be real about it. We've got an aging church. I've got to preach messages that help you be faithful right to the end. I'm aging. I've got seven greys. Seven T, maybe. As much as we love God breaking into the now, as much as we love it, it's not what our hope is in. It's not what our faith is in. It's in the resurrection of Christ. I'll keep praying for people to be healed to the day I die. I'll keep believing, keep celebrating with every miracle God does because He's so kind, He's so good, He's so amazing. But all of us will die because this cannot inherit what God has to bring. And that is good news because it grows weak, it grows frail. Some of us, you know, we might get the privilege of going quietly in our sleep. In our sleep. 
sitting in our Lazy Boy, having just finished our tomato sandwich dinner at four o'clock, you know? We might get to go that way. Others of us will go ravaged by sickness and cancer and in pain and suffering where our final days will feel like our worst days. Some will go way before their time through accidents and tragedies of what it means to be human. But it's okay because this was never designed to inherit what God has to give us. And we will all be raised to an eternal forever body that can house the fullness of the goodness of the kingdom of God. Verse 51, we're almost at the end, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Okay, Paul, I would love to know it. And we will not all die. Ironically, all the people that read this did. Um, we will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our bo dying bodies will be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into the bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death swallowed up in victory, O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? In other words, O oh, death, you have been found lacking much because the victory is Christ's. Life reigns over death, love over evil, healing over brokenness. God makes all things new. For sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen, risen indeed. So my dear brothers and sisters, what has this got to mean? What is the point in all of this? What is the power of this story? Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you ever do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing is ever wasted. Oh, it looks like it's wasted. It looks like those prayers that you've been praying, they didn't get answered, they look wasted. It looks like all that serving that you did, it didn't even, I don't even know if anybody's life was even any better because of it. Look at all that inviting you did to see people come and know the kingdom. I don't even know if anybody ever came and knows Jesus because of my life. Look at all of that giving you did, all the things you gave up for the Lord. It's easy to lose heart if you're thinking of the here and now. It's so easy to lose heart. But when we look to the resurrection of Christ, ha, huh, we're not living for the now. We're living for the then. And in light of this resurrection, this scripture, this whole passage tells us to stand firm in it. It tells us to keep good company and to think wisely about how we live. It tells us to be strong 
and immovable and always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you ever do for the Lord is wasted. Even when your body's frail and it's given up on you, even when every circumstance in your life that you hope to turn to good has worked out for the worst, even when it looks like the deal is done and everything's fallen apart, even when you're in your most agonizing pain and the only thing you have to look forward to is death, there is still hope. There is never a situation in your life that you can find yourself in where there is not hope. Because my hope is not in the things of this world that fade. My hope is in what is to come. And that will never fade. And the scriptures say, it'll never disappoint because He promises to make all wrong things right. He promises to make up for it. You might've felt like you got dealt such a bad hand in this life. He will make up for it. He will make it right. You might feel like, oh, just everything you wanted to happen, it just didn't happen. Keep serving the Lord. He will make it right. And you will enter the place where there's no more suffering. And there's no more tears and you'll behold the fullness of the glory of the God who loves you so, so dearly and died for you and was raised for you, that you might be accounted amongst His blood so that you too would be raised. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead by the power of His Holy Spirit, it meets my faith and it lives in me. And so I hold on to that as a promise of the things to come. Church, let's be faithful. Let's be hopeful. Let's look to the resurrection and live for what's to come. And somehow work in the tension of the now and not yet.